You're listening to a sermon by New Hill Church. We pray this message helps you put Jesus into perspective. If you have any questions about this message or a relationship with Jesus, email us at engage at newhilloh.com. Church, I hope you all had a, a good week. Um, I feel like I had a, a comical week uh, myself, just like things that just like kept cracking me up um, as we just went along um, the week. I kept debating like whether or not I should shave. And then Simon came over uh, last night as the, the ladies, they had their ladies night. So Lauren picked Aubrey up and they went and they did their thing. And I was like, Simon, it'd be really funny if I actually shaved. Like Aubrey comes home and like, I've got like a bald face. Like it was like a joke all week, but like, what if she came home from ladies night? She would never go to another ladies night. It would be so good. She'd be afraid that I was going to do something every time. And I was like, all right, Simon. He's like, do it, do it. So I'm, I got the guard on and I'm shaving and I'm like, kind of like that length. I don't really know if I want to do it. And Simon's like, take the guard off, man. Take the guard off. You won't do it. You won't do it. And I was just like cracking up and I'm like, yeah, you're never coming over again when we're not supervised. Uh, so just funny things like that that kept, kept happening uh, this week. But uh, actually, Maylee was cheering it on too. These kids, they're, they're bad. Like Ever was quiet. She was, she was waiting for me to shave my face as well. It was like the most well-behaved they've ever been. Um, only when bad things are going on. So, uh, church, we're continuing our series, Resurgence, going through the book of Nehemiah. If you guys would, you can go ahead and turn with me there. If you have your scripture journal, let's see how faithful you are with these scripture journals. Raise your scripture journal. All right. Oh, yeah! I like that. that like, that's really cool to me uh, that you guys uh, really have your scripture journals. You're bringing them, and hopefully you're, you're taking notes. Raise them if you're, you're actually, you've been taking notes in them now. A few less. <laughs> A few less. But that's good. That's good. We just want to encourage you guys um, to just take notes, write questions down. Even if so, you guys know by now our groups do different studies. Um, our Monday study at the Atma House, we we talk about the sermon, so we dive a little deeper. Um, Tuesday's group is going through the Apostles' Creed, and Wednesday's group is going through Romans 12, just a study in depth on on what Paul's talking about there. But regardless, there's always this period of time at the beginning where we want you all to be able to ask those questions because even if you're not diving in. Um, to the, the sermon from Sunday morning. It's very important that we're not just reading these texts, we're not just getting into yearly Bible reading plans and really not knowing what in the world is going on and what's being talked about. So um, even if we have to put different studies on pause for half an hour to be able to answer these questions, we want to be able to do that. So as you have questions, you can ask them in group. You can also um, just email us and engage at newhilloh.com. newhilloh.com slash ask is always open. We just want to encourage you guys to grow. So um, with that being said, let's grow in this word together this morning. Got a, got a few names here. It's not like Nehemiah 3, but if you all would follow along with me, and Nehemiah 6 is where we're going to be. Nehemiah 6. It's this conspiracy against Nehemiah. Can I get an amen if you like conspiracy theories, Luke? Amen? All right. Luke likes conspiracy theories. Anybody else here with Luke? Anybody here uh, believe that we, we didn't go to the moon? You want to raise your hand? You believe we didn't go to the moon? Okay, we got some conspiracy people. Any, anybody, um, uh, what's in a flat earth? Any flat earthers? Any, any not round earthers? Because there's several theories. Anything other than round, you want to raise your hand? Yeah? Don't be ashamed. Say it proud. Like, you know, you're wrong, but be proud about it. You know, that's great. So Nehemiah 6, we get this conspiracy against Nehemiah. It says, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at 
Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Oh no, right church? And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem also, uh, also says it, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, son of Mahatabal, who was, the, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he was pronounced but he had pronounced the, pro- uh, the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. God's word for us this morning, church, let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father, thank you again for just another morning, God, to experience your grace and your mercy and this Lord's Day that we could come together in the Moose Lodge, a place unlikely to see people proclaiming your word. Yet here we are. Jerusalem, a place, God, that we've been reading about. It seemed as as though it became an unlikely place where they would proclaim your word but here they are. God, I pray that we would see these similarities this morning, God, that we would see the need to remain focused to the work that You've called us to. God, I pray that You would would work in our hearts in a way that we we would walk away understanding, God, that that greater things are yet to come. God, that we we would understand and be obedient to the fact that the work here is never done. Four greater things are yet to come. God, I pray that we would rest in You and what You've already done on our behalf. And God, that that would help us, that would focus us to press on remaining focused in the midst of adversity, persecution, whatever it might be, God, that we would be faithful to You and let it start here this morning. As we we pray for resurgence, for revival. God, we love You and praise You and just ask that You continue to move in a mighty way. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So you all, most of you all understand the gist of where we're coming from so far in, in Nehemiah. We're getting to the point where uh, the breakdown is, is becoming long, but the main idea 
Uh, Nehemiah was cupbearer to a king, uh, a Persian king, so he's a thousand miles separated. He heard some reports that Jerusalem's walls were still down. It's confusing to him because a flock of people that you read in Ezra had left many years ago. And he hears this report, kind of thinking like something good is going to come about this report. But no, the walls are still down. The, temp- the, the new temple's up, but the walls are down. The people are in shame, right? Because, because the walls and everything are not built up. And he, he starts to pray, and he, he finally answers the call. He, he leverages his position for the gospel, and he, he goes forth to, to lead this project. He overcomes adversity several times, today included. And now he's, he's coming to an end, right? Last week we saw that he shut down not the, what was going on outside of Jerusalem, trying to make its way in because the walls were down, but now he's dealing with conflict inside in chapter 5, where their, their brothers and sisters are struggling. They don't have money. They don't have food. And what do they do? They take advantage of them, giving them high interest rates. They're giving them loans. They're having to mortgage their homes just to have food. Crazy. And it's not just the outside world. It's not like going to a bank, right, where they don't know you, don't care about you, they want money. This is brothers and sisters. So now Nehemiah's taking care of that. And I, I mentioned it last week, it's just one problem after another. For Nehemiah, we could relate to that, amen, church? One problem after another in our life. We feel those burdens on us, often weighing us down. But what we see here is that, that Nehemiah is teaching us this, this crucial piece. And that church is to remain focused. That's our main point this morning. That we need to remain focused on kingdom work. It's not just remaining focused like, you know, like on whatever you want to do, right? We as Christians, believers, right? Disciples of Jesus Christ need to be focused in on the work of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Are we, can we agree on that point so far? Amen? Amen. So there's several things I want to look at to kind of drive this home to, to remain focused. Because what we're going to ask is we're going to ask like, well, why do we need to remain focused? Well, because the enemy distracts. Okay? Why? Well, the enemy conspires. But our hope is, is, is in knowing that the enemy falls. So the enemy will distract us, conspire, but ultimately, church, the enemy will fall. Right? And, and this is the, the truth, right? That they will, they will fall to their knees and pray to God in repentance, or they will fall in eternity for opposing not you, not me, but God. Because church, remember, we're not to remain focused on our own agenda, but the agenda we've been given from God, and that's to go make disciples. So it's not you that they are opposing. That makes you feel better, right? It's not you. It's who you represent. Right? One of our our guys here, Pat, has had, had to go knocking on a lot of doors to, to sell this lawn service, right? I'm sure you get some doors slammed in your face. It's not you, Pat. It's that some people don't care for lawn service. If you go to somebody's house with a tie on and everything, it's not you. It's the witnesses, right? They're just slamming the door. They're like, I'm tired of these people. It's, it's not us, church. It's who we represent. But let's represent them faithfully and remain focused. So let's look at this. The enemy distracts. Here's the thing that we must know is that the enemy isn't working where God's people are idle. Meaning, if you haven't been distracted by the enemy, if you don't feel the enemy creeping into your life, maybe it's because the enemy thinks you're on his side. You get what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe when, when we haven't felt any adversity in our faith, maybe the enemy is like, you're not, you're not my enemy because you're not doing anything. Michael, you're... You're just chilling on the couch thinking that it's all groovy and that 
that God is sovereign so you don't need to take part in the mission. So the enemy just begins to leave me alone. So when you feel the enemy working in your life and, and coming after you, that's a good sign. But remain focused. See, it's, it's a, an oddly encouraging thing when the enemy's working in your life. Verses 1 and 2, let's look at this. Our enemies want to distract us from the work at hand. So in verse 1, when, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies. So notice this. Nehemiah is not saying some guys. He says, these men, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, and the rest of our enemies. So he's writing this knowing that we are not friends. These guys are not just opposing me, but they're opposing the one who I represent. They're not trying to stop these walls from going up. They're trying to stop God from prospering here in his, his world that he created. So when the rest of our enemies heard that I built the wall, that there was no breach left, and I love that he puts like in parentheses here. It's like kind of like that side note. Although, it's like when you say, like, I, I still have a little bit left. Although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gate. So he's trying to, he's pretty humble. I like that writing. Although there were a few things. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together in Hecathirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. See, what's interesting here, church, is, is just how close Nehemiah is to being finished. All the work they'd done until now. Remember, I showed you guys the, the picture. It's not the biggest city in the world. It's not like, you know, building a wall like around all of Ohio, right? It's not like that. But it's a great work. So they were all pitching and they're all doing these things. And now all they have to do is set up the doors and the gate. It's impressive. What they've accomplished so far, that's like... Pat on your back, right? Nehemiah and gang, you all are doing an amazing work. In great time, you all are killing it. Like imagine church building a house and all, like the entire house, and all you have left to do is put doorknobs on. Kudos to you. That's great. Awesome. And he's just that close, but he's not done. You see, we get so excited that we settle, right? Like, you want to hang out with me? I'm pretty much done. Let's, let's go. I'll meet, I'll meet up with you in Hecathirim. Let's go. Let's go have a good time. But Nehemiah, he's like, we are not done. You see, Nehemiah's enemies, they see this as their last chance. This is a last-ditched effort, right? They're like, it's almost done. This is our last chance to be able to take them out and to, to stop the work from being completed. Right, it started with insults like, what are you going to do, build it up overnight? If a fox goes across it, it'll just fall down, right? Now they're like, shoot, all he has to do is put the gates on, the doors of the gate. Crazy. And the timeline is just incredible. See, after this project, after this, the project will be complete. Jerusalem will no longer be an easy target. They have to do something and they have to do it fast. Why? Because they oppose God. But Nehemiah needs to remain focused because the enemies here are trying to distract him. They're trying to take his eyes off the prize. They're, they're trying to let it become another Ezra where they get a little bit done, done and then they become discouraged and just quit. So what's their plan? Let's meet in Hakafirim. Understand this. This place would have been away from Nehemiah's guard. So this is like comfortable, right? It would have been away from Nehemiah's guard, which is great for them. But it wasn't all the way outside of Judah, so it would have been comfortable for Nehemiah. Like at first glance, it'd be like, 
hey, meet me down in Wadsworth. And you're like, okay, well, that's like not too far. Like, it's not like Ashland where like I feel like, you know, someone might pitchfork me or something, right? It's not all the way, but good middle ground. All right, sounds good. It's a comfortable ground to go and, and meet somebody. So it would have been comfortable for Nehemiah, but good for them that he wouldn't have his guard. I don't know if you all have ever done those like Craigslist meetups. Like you'll see signs by police stations or like randomly and it'll say, uh, Facebook Marketplace, trade, trade off site. And you're like, oh, so it's supposed to be safe there or something, right? Like nothing can ever, nothing wrong can ever happen there. And that's what they're trying to sell Nehemiah. Like, come on, brother, let's meet in the middle and we'll hang out. Let's talk. What Nehemiah does, though, is what we as Christians should be doing with God's mission for our life. Remain focused. Remain focused. Church, can you say remain? Stay focused. See, too often we begin to get comfortable, which leads to distraction. And what I mean by this is we start to settle. We just start to settle. Like, it, it's good enough, right? Like, Aubrey's challenged me on this, like, even, even within our space of worship. She's like, well, what if we, we got tablecloths for it? And I'm like, what does tablecloths matter? She's like, don't settle. Let's, let's try and make our, our place like, feel like home to people. Right? A tablecloth isn't anything that takes away from worship. It doesn't add to worship, but it helps people come in to feel comfortable. Right? So it's like, let's not settle. Let's not settle with, I, I read James last year, which is like one of the shortest books in the New Testament. Right? I read James, so that's enough to get me by for God's Word for the whole year. Right? Like, don't think that that's enough. Don't, don't think that it's enough to, for me, I talked about it a few weeks ago, just shovel, you know, I, I, I go get my shovel and I get the snow off the front porch and Aubrey's like, you know you have to salt it, right? Like, don't settle. It's still, it might be better than it was, right? Where the walls are now, it's better than what it was. But the job is not done. And let me tell you, church, with the entire book of Nehemiah, once he sets these gates up, the job is not done. It's not done for God's people. He has to start rebuilding the community of God, which we're going to talk about beginning next week. The job is never done. We get jobs and, and, and tasks to 90% completion. We say, looks good to me, brother. Why Aubrey quit asking me to do projects around the house. She's like just taking up the, the nail gun and she's doing these things herself. I wait for my dad to come in town from West Virginia with nail guns and compressors to be able to get things done, because I know my dad will help me get it like that, right? Tell Aubrey, I'm like, whenever dad comes up again in six months, we'll get all those things done, right? We too, church, are, are never done doing the work of God. We are never done making disciples. I don't, I don't care if you're the leader, like the lead disciple maker of New Hill Church. Make more. Make more. You See, let me put it in the perspective. If you went to work and you said, I did enough last week that I can just take this week off. What would your boss say to you? Like, good for you. Yeah, good for you. You're either, I'm docking that time, you're going to take it off your pay, or you're going to get back to work and do more. And like, we don't want to compare God to our boss, but I'm telling you right now, if, if God came down with an audible voice, He would say, get up on your feet and go. It might be in a loving way. I don't, I don't know. He might come down like pretty rough, like, Go! Like, what have, you, what have we been doing, church? Like, those kind of things. We need to continue to do the work that we've been called to do that has no deadline, that has no end in sight other than when our bodies are resurrected. When you were dead and gone from this place, we talk about marriage is till death do its part. The mission here is till death do its part. 
And then we can go and praise Jesus forever and rest in eternity with the creation that He's designed for us to enjoy for our good and for His glory. But until then, church, press on. And that's what Paul talks about. Pressing on. It's like a race. Race has a finish line. The finish line is when we are gone from this place or Jesus comes back. There will never be a moment where we can just justly look one another in the eyes and say that we are done. We've done our fair share for the kingdom. So we're done. Never. And Nehemiah, he knows their scheme to distract. They want to distract and they want to destroy. Not sure how he found out, but he did. He found out. He could have had a spy. Someone could have told him. One of his friends, one of the people helping him work on the wall. Could have been God telling him that he needs to be careful. Not sure, but for sure this, this follows suit. Says they intended to do me harm. So then Nehemiah sends messengers back to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? Then they sent to me four times in this way and I said in the same manner. Answered them in the same manner. They begin this back and forth. Could you imagine being that messenger? Like if you all just don't come to some kind of agreement, I'm done. Like I'm tired of walking. Like back and forth to you guys. You all aren't getting anywhere. Nehemiah is not going to quit working. And you all aren't going to quit conspiring. Like just leave him alone. Just quit. Tired of going back and forth, right? But they begin this. Going back and forth. This, it's madness. And again, this is their desperate attempt. It's like that full court shot where you're just like, well, we lost the game and you just chuck it and just hope it goes in. That's their hope at this point. Look at Nehemiah's response. I'm doing a Great work. I'm doing a great work. Another important point that Nehemiah teaches us, that the work of the Lord is great work. You see, too often, we set it aside as a side job. Like, we'll get to making disciples when we have time. We'll get to reading our Bible when life is a little less hectic. We'll get to serving in the church when I have a little bit of time. We've already talked about that. Use whatever time you have and that's great. Not everything, but not nothing. Something. But it's not a side job. See, we want to talk about giving God the first of our fruits with our money. But what about the time? What about our time? You see, usually it's like, if I've got enough time left in the week, I can, I can go pass out some snow cones this summer. Yeah, Gary, Pastor Gary, put me on the calendar. I'll, I'll take a 15-minute block what I got and then I got to go go do some stuff you know take a nap and all that other important stuff and I'm not saying that life isn't hectic like we've talked about this church don't feel like we want to burden you but we want to call you to what is an act of worship service that we are to give some of our time to the work of the Lord and not the last of our time but the first of our time what if we prioritize the first hour of our week like we the first thing we're setting aside that week is an hour of service to the work of the Lord, and then everything flow, like, just flowed out of that. Not, I'm going to set aside eight hours like it's a part-time job, but an hour. I'm going to do that, and then I'll schedule the rest of my week. That way I know that I'm giving some time to the Lord and His work that He's called me to. These are uncomfortable things, I know, but they are important. They are sanctifying. They are beautiful, edifying. Building us up as a family. How wonderful. The Lord's work is not a side job. It's the main one we are called to. 
See, the world would say that Nehemiah had it good as the king's cupbearer. Right? Like, he got to drink an abundance of wine. Like, like not getting drunk, but drinking some of the greatest wine in the world. He got to test it and hand it over to the king. He had a good job. You know what the world would say to Nehemiah? That's a great work. What a fool you were to go away from that work, to leave it for some petty work, to build a wall with some peasants. Some people who have nice homes, but their temple and walls lay in ruins. What's it, what's it matter if you have a mansion in the project? You know what that means? It means the value of your mansion has gone... And I'm not downing the projects, but you all get what I'm saying, that you would not have a mansion in the middle of the projects and be like, look at my place. People would be like, I don't want to walk outside, man. So tell me what to do in here. See, I remember my job back home. My dad knew the CEO, and, and we had worked it out that you finish, you get your degree, I don't care what it's in, aim for business, that'd be great. But if you go with a music major, that's awesome too, Michael. But you get your degree, and we'll move you on up into the corporate offices. We'll set you up. I'm not going to give you the best. You have to work your way there, but we'll make sure that you and your family have. I'm like, that's great. Like, Dad made some good connections. Take that opportunity. But I remember just feeling this, this call and this, this turning in, in my heart and just in my, within myself and my family. And Aubrey and I started talking about the possibility of planting a church. And I remember finally telling everybody at work, and they were like, you're crazy. Like, you've got it made here. You've got, it, you, you've got it set up for you. They are teeing the ball up for you. And you're just going to waste it all to go do what? Plant a church? Good luck. Good luck making a living off that. Good luck your family being provided to. See, church, do not undersell the importance and value of kingdom work. For it is great and it is necessary. It has to be done. See, the enemy is persistent, but we remain faithful. Seriously, when I read this church, I realize that, that I am, I'm like an enemy to Aubrey at times when she's like trying to do stuff around the house and I'm encouraging her like, come on, Aubrey, like, let's just like have a family nap on the couch. Look at Ever sleeping, Maylee sleeping. You don't need to clean right now. And it's like, she's like, this is all the time I have. And I'm like, but look, they're so cute. And like, look, Aubrey, won't you just meet me halfway? Like, we'll go to the floor. Like, you know, you don't have to sweep the floor if we're like laying on it, right? And I'm like, we should not distract or be distracted from kingdom work. So I've got a few questions for us within this point, church. What distracts you from participating in kingdom work? What distracts you from sharing the gospel? What distracts you from reading your Bible, which calls us to do these things, where we get all these commands, do all the extracurricular activities lead us into the mindset that the kingdom work we are called to is just our side job? Do we understand, do we know and understand that we still have work to do each and every one of us? And what do we need to do this week to help us to remain focused on the purpose we've been given? It's so important that we understand that the enemy is going to try and distract. But we remain focused. We don't settle. And we press on. See, the problem for us in kingdom work is that not only will the enemy try to distract us, but the enemy will conspire also. The second supporting point here. The enemy conspires. And see, unfortunately for Nehemiah, his enemies were seeking many ways to stop him, including distractions and harm. They wanted to harm him. He, he mentioned that before. They, they intended to do me 
harm. But he continues on in verse 5 after he answers Sanballat in the same way four times. Verse 5 says, In the same way Sanballat um, messaged me for a fifth time, he sent a servant to me with an open letter in his hand. An open letter in his hand. The fifth time he sent to me, he sent to Nehemiah the fifth time, but this time it notes that it was an open letter. See, most letters were sealed, right? Like we seal it. Breath stinks, everything, but you seal it. Doesn't matter. Because no one's going to get in there. And if it gets to the the person you sent it to, they're going to know that it was ripped open. But an open letter in this time, what he was doing, what Sam Ballot wanted, was people to read it along the way. He wanted people to know. And what did he want them to know? His conspiracy. But he didn't sell it as that. He sold it as fact. What was he selling? Verse 6. In it was written. So we get the, the details. The dirty details from Sam Ballot, the enemy, says it was reported among the nations. And Geshem also says it. So he's trying to say he's got witnesses. He's got other people who are backing it. That you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. No. We know that's not true. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. No. He's the governor. He actually said that he was going to come back to the king in Persia. Right? Artaxerxes, that he'd come back to serve him after everything was said and done. Verse 7, And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. And now the king will hear the reports, these reports. So now, come and let us take counsel together. He's starting this rumor that Nehemiah is seeking to overthrow the Persian Empire after the wall is finished. Now when you read the Old Testament, it's not hard to figure out why he would have made up this specific rumor. See, when I was a kid, I had a bad habit of finishing bags of chips, boxes of Cheez-Its, boxes of cereal, mac and cheese, any kind of food that was in the pantry what I would do is I would take that empty bag, box, whatever it was, and put it back in the pantry. I don't know like why I did these kind of things because these kind of things annoy me now, but that's what I did. And I remember one time sitting in my room that's right beside the kitchen. That's probably it. I probably get like snacks and just like, it was easier to like throw them back in there than to go find the trash can because I was right beside the kitchen. Big problem for me, chunky kid. So I remember the one day I'm sitting in my room like playing a video game, playing something. And I hear my mom say, Curtis, like she's talking to my brother, Curtis, did you, did you finish this salt and vinegar bag of chips and just put it back in there? And my brother goes, no, that was Michael. What? I hate salt and vinegar chips. What a lie. And I like run in and like my mom looks at me and she's like, you did that? Like you're in trouble. We told you not to do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, look, I understand why you would think that because I do that a lot, but it's not true. And see, actually, when you read back in the Old Testament, this was something that the Jews were known for, right? They were known for it all too well that they would try and, and backdoor their enemy and overthrow them because they didn't like their king, which the kings they brought on themselves anyways. They asked for kings. They got them. Guess what? They didn't like them. So they, they would try and take them out. They'd try and weasel their way out of it. So what's Sanballat do? Comes up with a rumor that's perfect to the history of the Jewish culture but not true to what Nehemiah is doing. It's perfect. It is a perfect conspiracy. And it's not true. So Nehemiah shuts this down. He's got a great relationship with the king. Then I sent to him saying, 
No such things as you say have been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. You're making them up. Making them up. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Help me to put up these gates because I cannot deal with the enemy another moment. See, the enemy, church, wants to conspire against us. They want to try and stop the work. Anytime back in our, our sending church when Aubrey and I were there, I remember the mornings when I was just like getting into leadership and like just trying to like serve and serve and serve and things would just go haywire on a morning. Like today, I forgot the guitar, right? We had to tear down last week, so I took the guitar home. And I get here and I see like Luke, I, I was cracking up. I was like, Aubrey, look, Luke, Jaden, and, and uh, Don just hopped out of one car that looked like, -na 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 -na. like, I was like, it's hilarious. Like all three of these grown men hop out of this car. It's just funny to me. And I see them all carrying their instruments and Luke's just walking both hands. And I'm like, oh, I forgot the guitar. Man, I got to go get back. Go get that. Obs, let's go back. And I get here and we're setting up and I'm like, ah, Jared's like, I need the, the charger to the computer. And I'm like, I know where it is. It's plugged into the wall at home. And I'm trying to remain focused. And what we would always say back in our sending church was, when things go crazy, something's going right. You don't see it in the chaos. It makes you just want to give up on that morning. But there was, even, even this morning, church, the worship, hearing you guys sing, the band leading us, just something just felt extra to me. Might be because the Lopez's brought me a, a cold brew coffee, feeling a little extra from that. That's my way to tell you I'm going to take a drink real quick because I'm getting parched. But when things start to go wrong, the enemy is conspiring. But we press on. We don't give in to the schemes of the enemy. So Nehemiah shuts down this entire idea. You're making it up. But Nehemiah prays for strength because Jerusalem has seen this before. They've seen conspiracies against them. Ezra 4.4, we read this, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah made them afraid to build. The project that Nehemiah is continuing and about to complete is a project that was left behind because of the conspiracy of the enemies. They discouraged them. They tried to bring them down. They tried to conspire against them. And they gave in. They did not remain focused. And that's not to say that if you've been there and you've felt that, that you can't press on now. Don't dwell in the past, but don't make the same mistakes of the past. We, we talk about history a lot, right? We want to erase certain parts of history, and we, we want to say that that's what we need to do to reconcile us to the future, but we need to understand that history may not make us who we are, but it reminds us of who we shouldn't become. That's so important for us to understand, church. And, and when, we, when we hit a speed bump as a church, and we will eventually hit a speed bump, everybody does it. Every family, every person, individual, millionaire, lowly person, poor, the one in poverty, what I don't care who you are, you hit speed bumps in life. But it's how you remember the past and not reflect on the past. You remember that that happened and going forward, I'm not going to do it again. And Nehemiah knows this. He knows this. They've seen this before. So Nehemiah, like usual for him, turns to the Lord for his strength. Because when the enemy conspires, church, we cannot look to our own ways. We cannot look to our own ways and our own understanding. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Church, if we want to see resurgence here in Medina, our prayer this morning should be, O oh Lord, our God, strengthen our hands as we go forth. Guide us as we go to share the good news, to participate in this kingdom work. Verse 10, now, 
Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. L- listen to this. This is what happens. They're conspiring against him. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. You're going to provide shelter for me? That sounds great. But I said, verse 11, should such a man as I run away? So he's got a little bit of this pride. Who am I to run away? Meadows family, we don't run away from anything. We don't start stuff, but we don't run from it. We don't. And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambout had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, according to these things so that, they, uh, that they did. And also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. What is wrong here? Well, let me say this. Only the priest could go into the temple and live. The place they wanted Nehemiah to go, you don't go in and come out alive unless you were the priest. This was a serious thing. So to tell him, it'd be like if we had a box, right, in the corner. And for whatever reason, if you went in there and you weren't John Wright, Pastor John, you died. But it'd be like getting someone else in here who's been in another like, city down in Wadsworth, right? They don't know anything about like, our setup here. They come in and we're like, hey, some people are after you. Go hide in that box. Like, they're like, yeah, I'll go hide in that box. Someone's after me. They go in and done. Right? It sounds good to them, but you know how Nehemiah gets around at church? He knows the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. You see, if if we are going to remain focused when the enemy tries to distract us, when they try and conspire against us, church, we must know the Word of God. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then then maybe we need to get up on our feet and start pressing forward now. See, Pastor John will tell you that, that when you go to Benin, you better be prayed up. You better be read up. You better be reading the Word. Be in it. Be saturated in it. can't get enough of it when the enemy is coming down on you. And that's the encouraging thing, church, to remain focus when the enemy is conspiring let us know the word of god when when people try and tell us that we should be walking one way this goes back to the the garden you're trying to walk one way and someone comes to deceive you adam and eve did god really say that did he really say that you couldn't eat of the the tree of knowledge of good and evil did he really the answer should have been yup Gave us like one rule. That's the one thing he said not to do. Yes, I know that. I get lists and everything, and I remember one thing out of the whole list. You give me one thing, come on. Piece of cake. Church, let us not fall into the same problem. Let us know the Word of God, cling to the Word of God, and remain focused. So my question for us today, within this point, how are you knowing and learning the Word of God. How do you know it? How well do you know it? How, how are you studying it? How are you, 
how are you doing life with your church family and learning gathering around the word of God? We don't just gather around food, right? We're Baptists when we meet, we eat, popular saying. But we also gather around God's word. The good food. How are we doing these things? And ultimately, the enemy may try to distract, conspire, but the enemy will fall, church. And that's good news because in verse 15, picks up. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul and 52 days. In 52 days. Like, couldn't even close on my house in 52 days. This guy built walls around a city. And when all our enemies heard it, all the nations around us were what, church? Afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because um, he was the son-in-law of uh, Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had taken the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in the present, in my presence, and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. But church, the enemy falls, and they fall. They fall down. They were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. And you may not see your enemy fall down physically. It says they fell down in their esteem. Church, to like want your enemy to simply just fall physically is not the point of this. When we go out to do the work, it's not to crush them literally. It's to break them spiritually so that they know that they have a need for a mighty Savior. And that's the good news. That when your enemy is working, it means God is working on your behalf. It means God is doing something. And they may never turn and repent, but it reminds them that they are without excuse. It reminds them of how great and mighty our God. They knew that Nehemiah hadn't done this work without the help of the Lord. I mean, it's so clear. For, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. They weren't afraid of Nehemiah. They were afraid of his God. And we read through the entire Old Testament. You see again and again these people, they, they withdraw. They don't fight back at the Jews in many instances. Why? Because they were afraid of the God of Israel. Church, we have a God who fights that fight for us. What we are called to do is remain focused within the kingdom work. We don't need to belittle people, to break them down, to, to pray for their demise, but to pray for, for their repentance. And he, he says it again. Oh my God, don't forget these things. Don't forget what they did. Because they're either going to need to remember it and repent of it, or they're going to be judged for it for eternity. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. So church, how are we remaining focused in the mission that we've been called to? You see, it's so easy to get distracted. And, and this isn't one of those things that I'm going to sit up here and tell you. I've got a five-point plan going to get you from faithless to faithful in this kind of work. But I do have a book called The Word of God, The Holy Bible, that encourages us 
to fellowship with one another, and to go out and to work together. So how are we remaining focused together in our spiritual walk and to go forth to make disciples? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning, God. And I pray that your Spirit would continue to just work inside of us, God, to show us areas where where we haven't done so hot, God, and and encourage us in areas that, that we're doing well. God, that in our strength, God, that we could help people in their weakness. God, in our weakness, we would find help in our brothers' and sisters' strength. God, that that we together wouldn't be looking a million different directions. And as we say it here all the time, and I pray that you would just remind us of this, that putting Jesus in the perspective is nothing we made up what you've called us to do. It is simply going to make disciples. Baptizing people. Teaching them to observe all that you've commanded. God, we know that you are with us always. And I pray, I pray right now that 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 would be a reminder and an encouragement for us to remain focused and remember that You are glorified through our obedience. Let us be faithful as we walk out today and then this week, just caring for people. And I pray that You would be with us at this meeting right after church. And God, just everything that You are doing here, God, that we would continue to be united together by the blood of Jesus gathered around Your Word. We love You and we praise You and ask all these things in Jesus' name.